Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Good evening. It's nice to be here. Whoa. My name is John, <laughs> and I'm your friend. And I am delighted to be at Milestone. Wow, your worship tonight. Come on, talk to me. Huh? Now, is that the way you, is, do you have worship like that all the time? I mean, so this was not like a, a big deal tonight. It was just good, huh? I'll tell you what, when you folks go to heaven, you're going to want to come home on the weekend, aren't you, huh? <laughs> yes, you are. My. It's so good to be with you at Milestone. It's so good to be in the Prepare Conference. And Jeff, my goodness, friend, I am delighted, delighted to be able to be here with you uh, this evening. I, I just, the only thing I would want to change about Jeff is his name. <laughs> Jeff Little. It's just, it's just, it's just, I just would call you Jeff Big. You know what I mean? Just Jeff, just Big. I, I, and, and I'll tell you what, he is big not only in stature, he is big in heart. He loves you and he loves this church. Whoa. He, got, he kept talking about how wonderful you were. I had to tell him to shut up after a while. I said, dear God, come on, give me a break. They, they can't be that good. And then I came in here and I see you. The place is packed out. There's no place like this place, anywhere near this place. So this must be the place, huh? And I'm just thrilled to be able to be with you. Um, so let's, let's just get acquainted. My wife, Margaret, and I have been married for 48 years. We have uh, two children. We have five grandchildren. Do I have some grandparents here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you know something the rest of the people in this building don't know. Grandparents are God's gift to you. Grandchildren are God's gift to you for not killing your children. <laughs> you understand that, don't you? You hold that first grandbaby, you look at that baby, and it's just, it's just amazing, smart, beautiful. No one has to tell you it's the most incredible baby ever born. And then you ask yourself a question. I mean, you look at this grandchild and you ask yourself, why did intelligence skip a generation? <laughs> I was telling that story in a large convention and I forgot that my son Joel was in the audience. Oh, yeah, he was there. He met me at the green room. He was waiting, he was waiting for me. I looked, I said, now, Joel, honey, I, you know, when I was talking about intelligence skipping a generation, I, I was just kidding, having, having fun. He said, it's okay, Dad. He said, he said it's, it's okay. He said, I, I think you're right. He said, just last week, he said, Grandpa and I had that very same discussion. <laughs> I, um, I, I have news for you. We, uh, some of so many of you are so young. You, I, I just want you to know that when you turn 65, you get wisdom. Okay, just I'm so sorry for some of you. You got 
a long way, long way to wait. You just, it's going to be a while, okay? I mean, God has such a sense of humor. When you're young, he gives you energy and no wisdom. <laughs> when you're old, he gives you wisdom and no energy. He's just cracking up. You know what I'm saying? Huh? He, he really is. And, and, and when you get, what happens is all of a sudden at about 65, you understand life. You really do. It, you just, you have questions about life your whole life. And, and then about 65, it all comes together. And I brought this one because I just love this. And um, I'm going to read this to you and then I'm going to teach. This is so good that I laminated it. Okay, so you have to understand when something's good, I laminate it. If I'd have been Moses going up on Mount Sinai, I'd have laminated the Ten Commandments. I'd have, I'd have done that. I, I, I sure wouldn't have put them on stone. Those babies break. You know what I'm talking Those babies. So, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read that. You're going to understand life like you've never understood before in, in about two minutes. So look at the person you're sitting beside and say, uh, you're about to understand life. Go ahead and tell them. You're just about to understand life. <laughs> Yeah, look right back at him and say, why do you think I brought you here tonight, huh? Why do, why do you think you're here? Okay, here we go. On the first day, God created the dog, and he said, sit all day by the door of your house. Bark at anyone who walks by. I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. Dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years, I'll give you back the other 10, and God agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey. God said, entertain people, do monkey tricks, make them laugh. I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, how boring. Monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. The dog gave you back 10, so that's what I'll do too, okay? God agreed. So on the third day, God created the cow. God said, you must go out in the field with the farmer all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, give milk to support the farmer. I'm going to give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life. You want me to live for 60 years? Let me have 20. I'll give you back the other 40. God agreed. So on the fourth day, God created man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry. Enjoy your life. I'll give you 20 years. Man said, what? <laughs> Only 20 years? I'll tell you what, I'll take my 20. Add the 40 the cow gave you back. The 10 the monkey gave you back, the 10 the dog gave you back, that makes 80, okay? okay? God said, you've got a deal. So that is why the first 20 years of our lives, we eat, sleep, play. <laughs> I see the train coming. <laughs> For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. <laughs> and for the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and we bark at everybody that goes by. <laughs> there you got it. You've just had life explained to you. They told me they have my book, uh, Developing the Leader Within You uh, 2.0. It's uh, back somewhere. And uh, I, I would encourage you to, to get it. I, I, this is a revised edition. I wrote this book 25 years ago. Developing the Leader Within You and the publisher asked me if I would revise it. I said, of course I will. So this is the 25th edition. And I went back and I revised 89% of the book. Just shows you how bad I was 25 years ago. <laughs> you see, here's what happens. You see, when I wrote the book 25 years ago, we were all on the same page. 
But in the last 25 years, guess what I've been doing? I'm growing. I'm learning more. I'm, I'm developing. So 25 years later, I'm hearing the books down here. I had to go back and get the book and catch it up. 89, that's why they call it 2.0. It, millions of people have read this book, and it's just a book that helps you develop yourself as a leader. It's the best mentoring leadership book that I've written. So it's back there. And then I also, they brought, I guess they brought the Maxwell Leadership Bible. So uh, that's back there. Uh, everything I know about leadership, I learned from the Bible, okay? And so this has 500 lessons on leadership in it. So every page you're in the Bible, I'm teaching your leadership. So if you love the Bible and if you love leadership, I would encourage you to get this. In the world that I live now, I'm in the secular world, corporate world all the time. Literally, I had a guy bring this up to me the other day, and, and he just looked at me, and he, he had this, and he said, did you write the Bible? <laughs> and I said, no. I said, I said, I just wrote the leadership lessons inside of it. And, and he said, well, he said, I, I've never read the Bible. I don't even have a Bible. But if you've got leadership lessons in there, I'm going to read it. And he did. And he came back to see me later, and he'd received Christ. Isn't that beautiful, huh? So anyway, it's all back there. It's all back there for you. And uh, it's, this is Jeff. You've got a great crowd here. My God, look at this. It's packed out, and there's a football game on tonight. This is so beautiful. In fact, I have some friends at the football game. I'm going to send them a picture. I'm going to just say, this is what godly people do on Monday night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sending that to him. I feel so spiritual. <laughs> I love your theme, prepare. So let's talk about it. The last week of every year, I spend that week preparing for the next year. I literally take my calendar and I go through every day, every hour of the year, and, and I ask myself questions of, of, of who I met and, and what I learned and, and, and what I need to change. And it's a, it's a week of introspection. It's a week of prayer. I, I write down a lot of things. Um, I'll, I'll go through the things that Margaret and I did together and uh, special things throughout the year. And then I'll take her out to dinner and, 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 and I'll go through the year. I'll say, Look, remember we did this on that date and we did this on that date. And, and we just have a very wonderful, lovely, romantic evening. And then we go home and the rest of it's none of your business. <laughs> and it's just, a, it's just an incredible way to, to get my heart ready. And one of the things I do is I ask God for a word every year. Ask him for a word. And he gives me one. And uh, somebody asked me why I only ask for a word. It's, it's about all I can handle. It's about to my limit. But I ask, him to, I ask him to give me a word. And then I ask him to give me a prayer. And, and I, I, over the next first couple months of the, of the new year, I, start, I scripturally find a prayer that, that goes with the word that he gave me. And I would like to, because I love the theme prepare, and you're, you're looking this year, you're praying, you're fasting about having God do the work in your life. I, I would like to give you my prayer, okay? And it's just, it's just the, my prayer, and, and I, I think it'll, I hope it'll work for you. And, it, and it's found in, in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in chapter 3. 
And he prayed for three things, and this is my prayer for me, and this is my prayer for you in 2018 as you prepare for this year. So let's look at the scripture on the, on the screen, and let's, let's just get ready to let our hearts be uh, prepared to, to speak to us, okay? Father, um, your word is beautiful, and it speaks, and it's alive, and I just ask now that for the next you know, 30 minutes, God, you'll help us to, to um, take your word and apply it to our lives, and, and may, Father, there be a work done within all of us tonight that will really help us as we go into this year to have our spiritually greatest year ever. I, I pray that in your name. So take your word, take me, Lord, as your vessel now, and Holy Spirit, just uh, help me to teach what you've laid on my heart, and may the, the hearts just really grab hold of these principles and these truths and apply them to their lives, I pray in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. let's go. Here's what Paul said. My response is to get down on my knees be the, before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, and I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner spirit, inner strength. Now here's, here's the phrase. Here's the prayer, Paul. That Christ may live in you as you open the door and invite him in. The first thing that I pray for you and pray for everyone is that you will know God. More than anything else, for you to know God as you go into 2018 is the most important thing. And it's my greatest joy to introduce people to God. I do that all the time. I, I live in a world that is secular and that doesn't know God and has never really seen a true picture of God. And so therefore, I live to share my faith, and it's, it's, it's what gives me my joy. It, it's, it's, it's who I am more than anything else. And I, I think I was probably, I don't know, maybe even born with the gift of evangelism because uh, my father was a pastor, and, and we used to have Sunday night services, and I can still remember on Sunday night, at the end of his message, uh, he had asked people who wanted to know God to raise their hand. And I, was, I can remember being in the third grade. And while everybody else closed their eyes and bowed their heads and, 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 you know, and he's asking for people to raise their hands if they wanted to know God, I, 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 would, I would peek. I would look. And I'd look around and I, I would see hands raised. And then I would go back over to our, our little parsonage right across the street from the church. And I'd go into my bedroom and I'd close the door and I, I would lay down on my bed and I'd pray for people. And at a very young age, I, I, I had an incredible heart for, for people to, to know God. And I can remember when I knew I was going to be called to the ministry, I, I began to, to learn plans of, of salvation and, and how I could lead people to Christ. And, and it, I made it a personal goal as a, as a pastor. I made it a personal goal every year to lead 200 people to Christ outside of the church. I'm not talking about inside the church. And so I'm always building relationships with, 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 with lost people and, 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 and spending a lot of time connecting with them and, and because I want to I do my best to introduce them to Christ and get the opportunity. If, if you don't know God uh, the, this evening, and there's nothing greater for me to do than to help you know him because the moment that you know him, everything begins, begins to change. And when I crossed over, what happened is literally my publisher one day in a publishing meeting said, John, I want you to know that two-thirds of your 
books are being read by the business community, the secular community, and I'm writing them. I'm writing them for Christians. I'm, I'm writing them to help pastors learn how to lead because, you know, we, we, I mean, pastors, a lot of pastors, they're just good people, but they don't know how to lead. I mean, they're just, you know, they're, they're good people, okay? And, and so I'm writing, to the, and I didn't know that secular people were picking up my book. I had no idea. And when the publisher said, John, secular people are picking up your book, immediately I knew that for the rest of my life, I needed to now go into the secular community and teach leadership and, and gain respect in that community and help bring them to Christ. And I can remember I, I, my very first experience with that, uh, after I crossed over, I was, I was speaking to the largest lumber broker company in the world. And it was just senior executives. So it was a small group, maybe 60, 70 people but a worldwide organization. And so I taught leadership all day. And at the end of the day, one of the senior vice president raised his hand and said, John, he said, we've been listening, taking notes on leadership all day. And he said, I gotta tell you, your stuff is, your stuff's different than what we usually hear. He said, it's, it's just, it's just kind of fresh and different. He said, do you mind, where, where did you get your leadership material? And I, and I smiled and I said, you don't wanna know. And, and, and of course, you know when you tell them they don't want to know. They want to know. And I said, you don't want to know? And he said, no, no. I, he said, I really do want to know. And I said, you're going to have to trust me on this. You don't want to know. And, and, and now they're all raising their hands and said, no, we want to know. I said, well, if I tell you, you're going to be disappointed. No, no, no. Where, where did you? I said, okay, okay. You're pressing me. You're pressing me. I said, everything I know about leadership, I learned from the Bible. And I mean, there was an audible, uh. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, I told you, I told you, you didn't want to know. I said, I, I know you, I've got a cocktail hour at seven o'clock, I'll be there. And I'll just be over in the corner. And if you've ever had a question about God, just come on over, I'm safe. I will just have a quiet conversation, you and me, about God. And I went down to the cocktail hour and I stood in the corner and for 45 minutes, the line never stopped. And I walked out that evening and I said to myself, people don't know God, not because they don't want to know God, they just don't have a real picture of who he is. And that just literally changed my life. And when I go to heaven, my great desire, obviously, like yours, is to see Jesus and to worship him and bow before him and and just proclaim him in his greatness. It, that's, of course, my, my passion. But, but outside of that, what I really want to see more than anything else are the people that I help bring to heaven. You, you understand? I, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. It, it, I, I think you ought to take somebody with you. What, what do you think about that, huh? I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to show up to God all alone. Are you okay out there, huh? And, and, and I love that. I love the poem that says, when you enter that beautiful city and the saved all around you appear, what joy when someone will say to you, it was you who invited me here. I, I want to hear that. More than anything else, I, I, I can tell you, more than anything else, I want to hear that. More than anything else, I want to help people know God. That, that is my highest ambition. I, I have nothing else except if I could just help you to know God because I know what happens when, when people 
know him and have a relationship with him. I love the passage in Jeremiah. It says, don't, don't let the wise brag on their wisdom and, and don't let the heroes brag on their exploits and don't let the rich brag on the riches. He said, if you brag, brag on this and brag on this only, that you understand and know me. It's the only thing to brag about. The only thing to brag out to tonight is the fact that, that I know Jesus and, and that Jesus knows me. And I would hope more than anything else in 2018 that every one of you here, every one of you in the overflow, anyone on satellites, et cetera, I, I would hope more than anything else is that you would really have a relationship with God. That's not the main thing, that's everything, my friend. And that's what Paul prayed for us, and that's what I pray for you today, that you'll know God. The second thing that, that I pray for in 2018 is that you'll experience God's love. And in this passage of scriptures, there's just not a more rich passage in the word about the love of God, so let's look at it together. Paul said, and I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, he said, here's, here's what Paul's praying for us, that you and I will be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. And, and now he's going to tell us how to do it. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb its depths, rise to its heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. You see, there's a relationship between you and I experiencing the love of God and, and, and being immersed in his love and, and living a full life. There's, a, there's a, a direct connection between how much you know God loves you and how fulfilled you are in life. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you look at that passage in John chapter 10, verse 10, it, there's a comma there. I am come that you might have life, comma, and have it more abundantly. The question I have for you and me tonight is, which side of the comma do you live on? Do you have life? Or do you have abundant life? And the Apostle Paul said, there's a relationship between experiencing the extravagant love of God and having this incredible, fulfilled life. And what I love about this, and you know this is so good, don't miss this, do not miss this. When I come to an important point, I don't let you miss this because I say, do not miss this. And I say it until you say, I, 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 I don't wanna miss this. So don't miss this. In fact, look at your neighbor. I, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm not worried about you. You've got it. I can tell. I'm watching you. You are there. You're taking notes. You have got it. But I'm deeply concerned about the person on your left. <laughs> I don't think they're as sharp as you. I don't think they got it like you got it. You know what I'm saying? I, they're just, I just don't think they're quite with it like you're with it. And, and as I talk to you, I can see, as I'm looking at you, you feel the very same way, don't you? It's okay, look at the person beside you and say, it's okay, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. It's, it's, it's no problem. Because here's what I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss the fact that Paul says we can experience as much of the love of God as we want. In other words, you and I determine how much of God's love. And you say, how do you know that, John? Well, look what he said. Look at these verbs, reach out and experience the breath. He wouldn't tell you to reach out if you couldn't get it. Test its length, 
plumb its depth, rise to its heights. These are all verbs. These are all action verbs that basically say you can have as much of his breadth as you want. You can have as much as his your length. You can have as much of his depth. You can have as much of the height of God's love. You can have as much of God as you want. In 2018, as you prepare this year, understand you can have as much of God's love as you want. You determine how much of it you get. Wow. It's your choice. And he breaks it down, and I'm going to break it now. He said, first of all, I want you to experience the breadth of God's love. Now, what does it mean when you and I experience the breadth of God's love? Here's what that means. That means God's love includes everyone. That's the breadth of his love. No one is left out. It includes everyone. Remember when you were used to, you were a kid or maybe your children, how much do you love me? And you know, they do this number, you know, and I love you this much. And you know, you're trying to be a contortionist to show people how, you know, how much I really love you. And, and the bigger, you know, it, it, what we're trying, we're trying to be expressive of the fact that I, I love you just more, more than I can even demonstrate to you. And, and when Paul said, I want you to experience the breadth of God's love, understand his love, the breadth of it, 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 it includes everyone. For God so loved the Absolutely. He so loved the world. No one's excluded. You, you are not excluded from God's love. You're, you're not on the outside of God's love. In, in fact, let's do this exercise. I just love doing this exercise, so let's do it together aloud. I'll say it and then repeat after me, okay? God loves me. God loves me. Oh, I like that, isn't that good? Okay, God loves you. Oh, let, let, let's, let's, let's say that one again and, and look at somebody when you say that, okay? In fact, in fact, let's really get good at it. Just kind of, you know, God loves you, okay? I, I, but, now, wait, wait, let, let's practice that. Let's practice that before we do it, okay? Okay, God loves you, okay? Okay, oh, I like, okay, okay, okay. God loves you, come on. Oh, that's so good. You do so good. And, and then I want you to say aloud, God loves people I don't know. God loves people... I, oh, yes, he does. And let's say, let's say out loud, God loves people I don't like. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yes, that is disgusting, isn't it? Isn't it disgusting? I mean, don't you have a list? of lesser people. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you got, yes, yes, God loves, God loves people you don't like. The church is gonna have revival when we start connecting with people and stop correcting them. If you go in the Gospels, and you just see the, the life of Jesus and read the words of Jesus. When you're done with the four gospels, the thing that will be more apparent than anything else is how much Jesus values people. I mean, he really values people. 
And when people come and say, John, I, what I want to do is, boy, 2018, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to be Christ-like. If you want to be Christ-like, I can tell you exactly how to do. Just start valuing every person. Every person. The ones you don't like, the ones you don't agree with, the ones you don't understand. Doesn't matter. Jesus loves them, died for them. God so loved the world. Let's get with it. Value people. And the reason Paul said, I want you to experience this breadth is because he understands that you cannot give what you do not have. And so if you and I haven't experienced the breadth of God, if we haven't experienced the fact that God loves one, everyone, and he values everyone, then we can't pass it on to others. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. And so this is just so important for us to understand that, that God values everyone. C.S. Lewis said, God loves us not because we are lovable, but because he is love. God is love. Wow. So God's love is for everyone. That's the breath of his love. Then Paul said, I want you to experience the, the length of God's love. Test its length. What does the length of God's love mean? It means that God's love lasts forever. Forever. It knows no end. And, and, and the length of God's love doesn't depend upon me. It doesn't even depend upon my behavior. As a parent, don't you remember when you, were, you would look at your children and say, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm running out of patience. I, I, just, I just want you to know, whoo, the door's about to, the, 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 the bell's about to ring here. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey hello. God, God's love has no end. And, and what I want you to know is God loves you, He God loves me just as we are. Not what we want to be or what we'd like to be or, or what we appear to be. He just loves us, period. Now listen to me carefully. We many times when we look at God and we look at ourselves and we look at our shortcomings and our sins and our failures, and we project God and give him the perspective that we have. The, the classic example is, that the, is the prodigal son. The prodigal son left dad, went, you know the story, spent all he had, went out and partied, ended up in a pig pen, came to reason, finally said, you know, I'm gonna go back to dad's house. I've just messed my life up. But look at his reasoning. I'm gonna go back to dad's house, but is he going to come back to dad's house as a son? No, he says, I'm gonna come back as a servant. And he goes back to, to dad, and, and he said, Dad, you know, you, uh, could, I have a, could I have a bunk in the barn? You, you see, the prodigal, because he knew he had done wrong, looked at God and thought that God saw him as he saw himself. And I want you to know that's not true. That you say, I, I've messed my life up, I've sinned. You have no idea where I am and you have no idea what I have done. I don't, I don't, I know that, my friend. But what I want you to understand is this. Don't dumb down God's love for you. And I want you to understand that he has a, a, a coat ready for you and a ring ready for you and the band's about to play and they're gonna have a dance for you and, and he's just excited about, he's just excited about you coming home, period. And, and the length of God's love, it goes on and on it, 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 and it never lets us go. No one can pluck you out of the hands of God. 
I mean, I, I, I like country. I like a little country music, and I, sometimes I kind of think I could write a little bit. I mean, I do. I really do. In fact, I've got one I've kind of been working on right now because when I think of the length of God's love and how he holds on to us everlasting, it's forever, and it never stops, I, 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 I would like to write a country song entitled, God's Grip Don't Slip. Huh? What do you think? Don't you think that's got some promise, huh? That's got some promise. And that Paul said, I want, I want you to know the breadth of God's love. It includes everyone. The length of God's love, it lasts forever. Number three, he said, I want you to experience the depth of God's love. He said, plumb the depths. In other words, go test the depths of how deep God's love is for you. And what that means is God's love is forgiving. That no matter what you have done and no matter how deep you are in messed up life, no matter how low you have gone, God's capacity to forgive you is greater than your capacity to sin. Oh, that was so good. I'll repeat it for the person on your left. God's capacity to forgive you is greater than your capacity to sin. So you say, but John, you have no idea. I, you've, got, you've got to understand, I am a big sinner. Well, whoop de doo You may be a big sinner, but my Jesus is a bigger savior. In fact, Jeremiah said, I will, talking about God, he said, I will forgive their wrong. I'll forgive it and I'll remember it no more. God forgives and forgets. That's why he could take Moses, a murderer, and make him a deliverer. That's how he could take David, an adulterer, and call him a man after God's own heart. That's how he could take Peter, a Christ forsaker, and make him a Christ preacher. That's how I could take Paul, a murderer, and make him a church planter. Wow. I wish I could express to you the unconditional love of God. When I was, when I was in school, you have to understand, uh, when, I was, when, I, I, when I was in school, I was not at the top of my class. I was, I, I was, I went to school for Sports and friends. And academics were just a side deal. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I know I just disappointed you, but um, in fact, I, I, was, I practiced leadership. I had four girls do all of my homework in high school, but that's another story. And that's, you wouldn't believe that one if I told it to you, but I, I never took a book home. I, I was... I was a leader at a very young age, thank you very, very much. Very, very young age. So I would come out of those tests sometimes. I'd come out, now did you ever do this? You probably did, you probably were all brilliant. But I would come, sometimes I would take a test and, and I, when I finished it, I knew I was in trouble. Do, do you, any of you relate to this? And, and my favorite phrase after a test was, I hope that prof or the teacher grades on the curve. Oh, you sinners, you. 
You sinners out there, I just smell you sinners out there. I, oh, I just say, oh, he'll be great on a curve. And I mean, when I say curve, I meant a, like a real curve. Not, not like a little, like, uh, no, no, a curve, like a circle curve. That, that would include me, you understand. That would, that would circle me in somehow, that, that dumb, would, dumb would somehow pass. You know what I mean? And, 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 I, and I would pray that, oh, if they, it, why? A hard test. Oh, man, I hope that they go great on the curve. It's a hard test because if they great on a curve, I knew only a few would fail and maybe I would get in the circle. Well, let me tell you something about God. God grades on the cross. Because you see, it's impossible for you and I to ever get out of our mess or save ourselves as so beautifully shared earlier in communion today. And I just, I just want you to know that, that, that it's totally impossible, but, but, but you gotta understand, no one, no one has to fail the test with God because the cross covers every one of us. And then Paul said, I want you to experience the height of God's love. I want, you to, I want you to experience how high God's love. Rise to the heights. What that means is God's love is uplifting. My first uplifting experience with God was two days after I received Christ. When I read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any person be in Christ, he becomes a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I can still remember being in my bedroom before I went to school that morning, and, and all of a sudden I realized all things have become new in my life, and I, I felt that redemption lift. And, and Paul said the love of, of, of Christ, it's, 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 it's broad, it's for everyone, it's long, it, it never ceases, it never fails, it never, it never, it never ends, it's deep, it's, it's totally committed to your forgiveness. And then, and then he says, I, I just want you to know, it, it lifts you, it, it, it gives you what, what we call redemption lift. And for all the negative things that we can say about ourselves, God has something positive to say. And so when people go into self-talk, I tell them they need to go into God talk. Because sometimes we say to ourselves, I'm too tired. And God said, well, I'll give you rest. Well, it's impossible. And God says, well, with me, all things are possible. And we say, well, I, I don't think anybody really loves me. And God says, well, I, I love you. And, and you say, well, I can't go on. And, and what does he say? He says, I want you to know my grace is sufficient for you. He said, well, I'm not able. God says, well, I'm able. And I can't forgive myself. God says, well, I forgive you. Well, I can't manage. And God says, well, I'll supply all your needs. Well, I'm afraid. And he said, well, I've not given you the spirit of fear. Well, I'm not smart enough. Well, then I'm, I'm going to give you wisdom. Well, I feel alone. He said, well, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Well, I can't figure things out. Well, then I'll direct your steps. When we were kids, we used to go out and take a baseball bat, and we used to see who could get to the top of the bat. You, how many of you did that? You know what I'm saying? And you get up the top, you know, you get to the top and you win. Let me tell you something. When it comes to life, you just may go in there. God's, God's always going to get to the top. And let me tell you something right now. No matter what you have to say about yourself that puts you down, he has something that will pick you up. I want to remind you, Jesus, not Norman Vincent Peale, said all things are possible to he who believes. Let me just tell you something right now. 
God's crazy about you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. So Paul said, I want you to experience the God's love. I want you to experience the breadth, the width, the length, the depth. Don't want you to miss it. And you can have as much of it as you want. But he has a third prayer here. I got to give this to you here because this one's, this one's just, just going to blow your mind. This is going to take 2018 and put it over the top. How many of you want 2018 to be over the top? Uh huh. How, how many of you, the person you're sitting beside, you desperately want them to have a good 2018? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, you got that. I love it. Some guy got his both hands up, you know, try, trying to get his foot up there as much as he possibly can. So Paul said, I, I want you to, I, I pray first of all that you'll know God, and then that you'll, that you'll just absolutely understand and grab hold of the extravagance of God's love. And thirdly, he said, here's what I want. He said, I want, I want you to allow God to do great things in your life. This is powerful. Fasten your seatbelt. Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. I wanna take two minutes and teach you about God room. God room is the space between what I can do and what God can do. In other words, when I have done my very best, when you have done your very best, I mean, we have just given it our very best, there's a ceiling. We can only go so high, we can only do so much, we can only be so good, there's a, there's a limit to us. And, and what I want you to do is God's room, God's room, wherever our ceiling is, where, where this is Maxwell's maxed out best. God's room, my ceiling, is his floor. <laughs> oh, this is good. Hey, the person on your left's going to catch on here in a moment. And Paul said, I want you to understand that this is unlimited. He can do anything. It's staggering. Far more. He, he does this work within you. He does this work within me. I was, I was telling Pastor Jeff earlier that, that a couple years ago, I, I changed my prayer time and my prayer life, and, and now I just do basically a listening type of prayer. I, I basically, I just listen. And when I started doing this listening prayer and just sitting and, and waiting on God to really talk to me and, and, and minister to me, one of the first questions he asked me was this, John, how much room are you going to give me in your life? How much room are you going to give me? I mean, are you going to, are you going to give me a closet? You going to give me the, are you going to give me the family? How, how much room? Because I want you to understand, I'll take as much room as you'll give me. And let me tell you, just like you can have as much of God's love as you want, Paul says 
that this exceeding abundantly God that we have, this God room, it, it can go as big and as high as you want it to go. You see, it's at God's room where miracles happen. And you say, well, John, you, wow, you know, gosh, I've got a lot of problems in my life. <laughs> That's wonderful. Because let me tell you something about miracles. There's only one thing that every miracle in the Bible has in common, Old and New Testament are like only one thing. It's not prayer. Some people say, well, if you pray, I could, tell, I could show you miracles in the Bible and nobody prayed at all. You say, well, I know what it is, faith. You gotta have faith. I can show you people that were surprised at the miracle. There's only one thing that all miracles have in common. Are you ready? Every miracle begins with a problem, everyone. You show me a time when God does something in a person's life and it always begins with a problem, a need, a hurt, a question. Every miracle begins with a problem. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that really encourages me because I have some problems. <laughs> and and I, I'm just getting acquainted with you. This is my first of many trips to Milestone. Just, we're, just, we're, just, we're just getting, we're just getting acquainted. Can I ask you a question? How many of you would have at least one problem in your life? Yeah. How many of you are sitting beside Oh, don't go there. Don't go. You just got another problem. You just got another. Of course. Now, now, let, let, let's, let's catch this. I, want, I don't want you to miss this for 2018. Every miracle begins with a problem. So if you have a small problem for this year, you're a candidate for a small miracle. You don't get big miracles for small problems. If you have a medium-sized problem, you're going to get a medium-sized. If you have a huge problem, you're going to get a huge. Absolutely. You've got to understand, the size of the problem determines the size of the miracle. Maybe, maybe at the end of the service, maybe we'll, have a, maybe we'll have an invitation like we've never had here. Maybe, maybe what I'll do is I'll ask people to come forward that have a problem. Or, 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 no, no. I'll ask people to come forward that don't have a problem. Wouldn't that be fun? And you just come forward, and I'll lay hands on you. And I'll say, God, give them a problem. <laughs> give them a problem. Are you with me? Give them a problem. Because you see, you can't have a miracle if you don't have a problem. So as you go into 2018, more than anything else, know God. Let him become the savior of your life. Go after with gusto the extravagant dimensions of God's love. And then allow him to have God room in your life. And allow him to do for you and in you and with you and through you what you could never do yourself. I was talking to God and 
Here's what he said to me the other day. He said, John, don't ask me to cram my plan into your puny little mind because then I will be limited to your understanding. The word exceeding abundantly means hooper ek parasos. Parasos means to be full. Put ek in front of it, it means to be full and go out of. You put hooper in front of it, it means to flood. So a, 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 a little river or a creek, when it's regular, it's parasos, it's full. But in the spring rain, sometimes it gets over the banks, that's ek parasos. And then every 10 years, you have this flood that just, I mean, it just goes throughout all the fields, and, and that's hooper ek parasos. And Paul said, My God wants to hooper ek parasos you. You try that one tomorrow. <laughs> you just go up to somebody and says, God wants a hooper egg pair of so shoes. <laughs> you will get an attentive audience immediately. But that's exactly what he wants to do in your life, and that's what he wants to do in my life. And we have not because we ask not. So in Prepare 2018, let's ask big of God. What do you say? Blessings on you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 